Well, good morning, FTC Church. Good morning. Wait, hold on. I don't think everybody was aware yet. Good morning, FTC Church. Good morning. How is everybody on this wonderful, beautiful, sunny Sunday morning? Everybody great? Good. Could you everybody please stand up as we lead the worship?
Colossians chapter 3, verse 13. Bearing with one another and forgiving one another, if anyone has a grievance against another, just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you are also to forgive. Amen. Let's pray together. God, thank you for uh, allowing us to come here freely this morning. Uh, allow us to uh, proudly and loudly proclaim how much we love you. Uh, Father, thank you for letting us know you. Lord, I ask you to take this time that we have. Allow us to glorify you and lift you up. Allow us to put away some of our, our worries and stresses from the, the day-to-day living. And God, just uh, thank you for loving us. Jesus, I pray. Amen. Hey, well, good morning, church family. Hey, a, a quick reminder uh, for those who may have forgot, this last Sunday of the month is always our family worship Sunday. Uh, if you have little ones with you, they're always welcome here. There's little coloring packs back in the back. Uh, but for the parents here, just know that um, your, your children's noise are never a problem. Uh, giggling, laughing, it doesn't make someone mad, it makes someone happy. We're glad the kids are here with us. Uh, otherwise, sometime during the service, will you take a minute, will you fill out your connection card? If, you, if you're online, uh, we're glad you're here too. It would mean the world of us. If you fill out that connection card, let us know that you're with us. Otherwise, we came to praise God, so let's do that. Take two. (laughs) So I'm the bad guy. (laughs) Grace, right? Grace. Cause you came and broke the down 
is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen.
John 5.30. I can do anything on my own. I judge only as I hear, and my judgment is just, because I do not seek my own will, but the will of him who sent me.
please be seated. Thank you for helping us out with that song. It's just beautiful to hear your voices. Good morning. Man, it is, it's hard to be inside right now. It is almost perfect. It's not too hot. It's not too cold. We need like a big Ramada church. Now we can go outside. Too bad you're stuck with me. Inside. Hey, if you've been with us on these last few weeks, we've been doing a series called Jesus On, going through some of the teachings he's been, he was doing. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 6. We got one more week with this, and we're going to change direction. So Matthew chapter 6. Once you get there, stay there, because we're going to read it a couple times. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 6, verse 1. I'll give you just a few more seconds. All right, your time's up. Matthew chapter 6, verse 1. Here we go. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. You know, I, I told the first service this, and I've been struggling with this idea, but maybe I'm alone here. I don't think I am. But when I, I read bits and pieces of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, is it just me, or does it seem like when Jesus was talking, he was kind of cranky? That's, whenever I look at these passages, I mean, these, this is some really harsh words. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. Then he goes down and calls them hypocrites. Personally, I like cranky Jesus. Makes me very happy. So what we're going to do is we're going we're gonna to jump into uh, cranky Jesus' words here. And I know there are always a few that come to church and they get this impression. They go, the church is only after my money. And I just read this and it's talking about giving to the needy. And I bet some of you are sitting there thinking, I knew it. He's just trying to get in our wallets. That's not really what this passage is talking about. Uh, this is not about giving to the church. This is a whole other direction. So if you're watching or listening and you're thinking the church is just after my money, wrong Sunday. That's next week. Just kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. This is, this is kind of a, an unusual passage here, but the only way to properly understand it is we've actually had to start diving in deeper and just, just what Jesus is talking about here. So before we discuss what Jesus is talking about, we have to figure out what Jesus is talking about. So first and foremost, before we go any further, when he's talking about giving, we must have an understanding of what giving is. We have to have that idea before we can even dissect into what Jesus is talking about, we have to know what, what giving means according to Scripture. Now, in this passage, it's talking about giving to the needy. This is not about, about the church. This is about giving to the, the needy. 
And any time in Scripture that the three most basic things that Scripture talks about when giving to needy are three very easy things, I'll tell you the Scripture, and I'll, I'll give you an example of them. The first, when talk about giving to the needy, is time. Uh, Matthew chapter 12, verse 36 says people will give an account of their time. I believe the first and most basic gift that we have as, as human beings is time. Um, and we're going to have to give an account of how we use our time. For example, I was at this, this smaller church, and, and one of the farmers always needed us to help. And so at the end of every year, it was awful, he would get all the youth together, and we'd go out to the field. And I was, I was too cheap to buy boots. I always had like the low-rise shoes. I hated it. And he, all we did was, was walk behind his tractor and we picked up rocks out of the field. That's all we did for hours. And we would walk behind the, the tractor, chipping up, and we'd grab the rock and throw it in a truck. And so it was really one of the most mindless, pointless tasks of helping someone. It was nothing more than us giving our time. That's it. We were, we were giving our time to help him get rocks and make his, make his soil better. That's, that's the first and most easiest basic thing. And the second, it's going to be very simple too. It's, and it's found in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. And if you've been in church for any amount of time, you've heard this. It's famous. It says, we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. What that means is simply this. Each of us are created different. Some of us have different talents, more talents, different skills. And what Ephesians is telling us is that since we are each created differently, we each have these skills and talents that we have that are, are usable in God's family. An example of that, there was a small town and, and they realized that the community needed a basketball court that could shield them from the rain because everyone wanted to play basketball and it was always raining. So what they did is they got together and they wanted to put this huge full-size basketball court up for anyone to use. And here's where it got interesting. When it was built, people would come after working their 10, 11, 12-hour days at their job. They would come after their shift was over. They would come to this area. They would put this, build part of this basketball court because that was the skill set they had. It wasn't their land. It wasn't their dirt. It wasn't their wood, their material. It wasn't their money. It was their skills. They didn't get paid. They, they simply volunteered their skills. So the first two things is very easy. When it talks about giving to others, when you understand giving, the first two is time. That's the easiest. Second is we, we use our talents or our skills. The third, and a few of you are going to say, this doesn't apply to me, um, it's your resources. You're going to say to me, Jerry, eggs are $48 a dozen right now. I have no resources to give. The idea of resources is not necessarily about money. When the Bible talks about giving to others, it talks about the time, it talks about the talents, it talks about the resources. Resources are not necessarily money. For instance, I was in a town, and there was a lady, an older lady, and, and she liked the youth. I, I don't know why she liked the youth. I tried to talk her out of it. I said, don't, they're obnoxious, they're smelling, they're rude, don't like them. But for some unknown reason, she liked these, these youth. And she had this massive apple orchard that her and her husband planted years ago. It was huge. And so the, the people at our church got together and they, they had this idea, and we're going to bake apple pies and sell them. And I said, 
this is a terrible idea. So we would go out to the apple orchard, and this lady said, you pick all the apples you want. I won't charge you a cent. And I said, that's a terrible idea. So we went and picked up the apples. The next week, we'd come back to the church. The whole church would meet together. We would roll out the dough, and I said, this is a terrible idea. Why are we doing this? We would freeze the apples, and the next time, We'd wake up at 6 o'clock in the morning and we went out and stood in front of Casey's gas station with coolers full of frozen apple pies. And I said, this is a terrible idea. Why are we doing this? And we made a huge amount of money to pay for all of our youth activities. And I said, this is a great idea. I'm glad I thought of it. It didn't cost her a penny. It was her resources. So frequently when we, we talk about giving, the three main things found in Scripture, time, talent, resources, sometimes money, not always. So before we even, even jump into this passage here, where he's talking about practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen, before we even get into that, before it says uh, when you give to the needy sounding trumpets before, as the hypocrites do, before all that, before we can even look at this, we have to understand what giving means in scripture. When it talks about giving, this is not about giving to the church. This is about helping others. And when it talks about helping others, those three main things show up over and over. Time, talent, resources. And all of us have them somehow. Maybe more in one direction, maybe a little less, but we all have them. So before we, we dive deep into Jesus' words, time, talent, resources, you have to know those before we move forward. We good that? Good. Let's move on. Let's read it again. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them, for then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father, who sees in secret, will reward you. Hmm, that brings us to the second spot. And if we want to understand Jesus, we have to understand why we give. This is a personal question we have to ask ourselves. I, I can't answer this for you because everyone's a little different. See, Jesus speaks directly to them right there. In verse 2, it says, When you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the street. And it's right here. This is what it's saying. So that they are praised by others. See, Jesus addresses one group of people right from the get-go why they give. So they wouldn't have to ask, why am I giving? Jesus just told them why they give. He said, you're giving so other people applaud you. Before we give, we have to ask ourselves the same question. Now, in my simplistic worldview, I, I believe we're going to pursue this next bit in, in one direction. Now, you're one of two people in my book. Either when you get a meal in front of you, you eat the food you like the least first, or you eat your dessert first. I think most people fall in that category. Either you, you want to get the bad stuff out of the way, or you want to get the good stuff out of your way. Now, for me personally, I'm going to eat my apple pie first. I want to get it out of the way because who knows what's going to happen to me. I want to make sure I get that apple pie. But this next part, if you are the kind of person who likes to eat your vegetables and your nasty food first, this is for you. So let's, let's jump in. Let's discuss some of the bad reasons why people give. This may be you. We'll figure it out. Let's figure out why some people give and it's not the good stuff. 
Some people give because it makes them feel good. Not like a, I was a good person feel good, but it makes them feel good like they are superior to someone else. Some people only give to others and help others, not because they wanna help them and lift them up, but it makes them feel like they're something special. I knew a, a man once who used to get a handful of change and you know the guy sitting out here and the girl sitting out asking for, for handouts? He would drive up and stop his car and just whip that change as hard as he could at him. He loved hitting him with change and he really liked watching him bend down and pick it up and he would laugh at him. Was he giving? Yes. Why was he giving? Because he wanted to feel superior over them. Some people give to those who need, not because they want to, but because they feel guilty. There are a lot of people that only give and help others because they feel guilty with where they are in life. I, I know we've mentioned this before. There are churches that are close to where drug cartels operate and they have huge budgets. You know where their money comes from? The cartel filters some of their money into the church, not because the cartel is trying to funnel the, uh, fund the church and make them you know, more effective, they're trying to purchase some of their, their guilt-free life. They know what they're doing is wrong, and they want to alleviate some of that guilt so they help others. Other people help people, not because they want to help people, only because they feel guilty. Some people only help others to show off. That's what, that's what these guys here are doing in Scripture. They're helping not because they want to, but because they want the praise from others. Or others, some people give to gain an advantage over people. There's been a running joke, and, and people make fun of me for this. When I worked at a gas station years ago in, a, in an industrial rough side of town, I always bought cigarettes and handed them out to the homeless people, um, not because I wanted to make sure they were smoking. That wasn't it. I was always worried that if I was going to get robbed and stabbed, I wanted them to think nice things of me. I wanted to, I wanted to build favor in them. I, it wasn't about, about anything else. I wasn't trying to you know, facilitate a bad habit. I wasn't doing that. I simply wanted to have advantage over them. So if they wanted to harm someone, it wasn't me. People made fun of me for that. In the same way, this happens now, and we see it frequently in dysfunctional families. A family will help others, and they only do it to gain advantage. For instance, you will see families where the child is grown. They're an adult, and they're in tough times. The, one of the parents will help the children, not because they want to help them, but because they want to have power over them. They're only helping in someone in need because they want to they use it like a puppet master and hold it over them. And before we, we criticize the parents too much, the kids do it all the time. Kids wait till the parents get older and they go and spend a whole bunch of time with the parents. Why? Not because they're trying to assist the parents in their, their latter years of life, but they want more of the inheritance. They're only simply trying to, to gather an, an advantage over the other by helping. This is kind of a neutral area and I, I want to address it because I think it's important and it's been brought up several times. Some people give kind of to help the others, but it also helps them. There are a lot of charitable organizations on this, this country right now that when you give, you actually get a benefit yourself. You get a tax benefit. And there are a lot of people that really struggle with this mentality. They, they want to give, but they're not sure if they should accept the tax benefit. So let me just share you with, with you my opinion of what it means when you give to an organization and receive that tax benefit. Um, 
Matthew chapter 22, verse 18 19, Jesus said quite clearly, render unto Caesar what is Caesar, meaning you have to pay taxes. But then on the other hand, in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 13 and following, it said, be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be the emperor as supreme or to governors sent by him to punish those who do evil. Romans chapter 13 says, let every person be subject to the governing authority, for there is no authority except for God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. What that means is I believe people that give for the, the tax benefit, as long as we're following Scripture, I believe we're allowed to. God says, you, Jesus said, you follow the rule of the land. So if the rule of the land says you can, you can claim your, your gift as a tax benefit, you may. I know a lot of people really struggle with that, but that's my opinion. And that's kind of a neutral area why someone gives. Some people give only because it helps them at the end of the year. Now let's look at some of the, the good reasons people give. Other times people give to the needy because they feel like they've been blessed so much. That's it. It has nothing to do with the person they're helping. It's, it's just they feel like they're so rich and they've been so well blessed they simply want to pass it on. I knew an old man who, who bought a, a brand new preacher, a full wardrobe for his very first church. No reason. He just wanted to do it. Why do you want to do it? Because he said, I have so much, who cares? That's it. Sometimes we give to others to be a good example for others. Some people will give to others just to show other people how to give properly. Sometimes we give to give glory to God. And we look at this passage and, and see it's easy right here because Jesus points it out clear as day to them. He's talking about, he says, you're, you're giving to the needy, sounding no trumpet. Talking about people who when they give, they give so loudly, everyone hears. See, Jesus addressed this group of people quite clearly. He said, that's why you're giving. So I think we have to ask ourselves, when we dive into this idea of giving, you need to ask yourself, why are you giving? We have to figure that out. Before you even try to give, you need to figure out why are you giving? What is your motive behind it? All right, last one. We're going to read this. This time we're going to, we're going to skip down. We're going to read verse 2, 3, and 4 together. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets that they may be praised by others. Truly I say to you that they have received their reward, but when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. All right, here's, here's the heart of the matter. Here's the heart of the matter right here. We have to understand how to give correctly. So we already, we already established that there's different ways to give and different methods of giving and then there's different motives of giving. Now we have to figure out how we give correctly. And there are some legalistic people that will take this passage and they'll twist it up and they'll move it and they'll mold it so it's completely unusable. And we do that on purpose. You know why we do that? When we make something so complex that no one understands, it's easy to dismiss it. We go, oh, well, it doesn't make sense. Well, let's just not. And, and we do that as a church frequently. We take something simple and we manipulate it till it's so complex that we can't use it and then we just dismiss it. And it's easy to do that with this passage. Now imagine this, if we take this passage word per word, let's think of some of the, the complexities of what it would be like. In this church here, we have what we call as a benevolence fund. 
we have money that's set aside from tithes that go into helping people that are in, in rough situations, and we, we use that money to help them. Maybe it's a gas bill sometimes. Maybe they need a little bit extra groceries. That's what we use it for. Now imagine what this organization, just this church, would be like if we took this passage word for word. So someone comes to one of our leaders and says, hey, I need help. And the leader says, okay, I'm going to help you out of the church budget, but I'm going to follow Matthew chapter 6, verse 1 through 4. I'm going to follow it word for word. It's a secret. I'm not going to tell anybody else. How does that work? Now, maybe, maybe, but now we've got, we've got an organization that, that each leadership is going in different directions because the other leaders don't know what one leader is doing. Or maybe there's, there's a few that, that, do, that do scam a system. They're, they're, they're going to take advantage of groups. If someone had ill intentions, they wanted to take advantage of a church, it would be easy because they can go to each leader and say, hey, help me with groceries. Hey, help me with groceries. Hey, help me with groceries. But if we follow this passage word per word and say, oh, oh we can't tell anybody, oh, we, it, would, it, would be a, it would be a rough situation. Or imagine this. We've had people in the church that said, hey, um, I need help. My, my roof is leaking. Can you come help me, come help me fix it? If we follow this passage word per word, if someone comes to you and says, hey, will you help me with my roof? You have to do it all yourself. You can't ask anyone else in the church to help. You have to re-roof all on your own because if you ask someone else, technically, you're violating this rule. Now you're letting the left hand know what the right hand's doing. See, it's easy to take this kind of idea and, and manipulate it so it's impossible to use and understand. That's not what Jesus, this isn't about keeping everything a secret. Imagine in my house. Imagine if someone comes to me and says, Jerry, hey, man, I just got out of a really bad relationship. Can you help me? Can you, can you pay for my rent for just three months while I get my, get my feet under me and, and get set up? And I say, okay, I'm gonna take care of your rent for three months, let you, let you get settled, but I don't tell my wife. And the wife looks at the checkbook and says, why are you paying for this, this rent at this apartment complex? And I go, I can't tell you that. Whew. Yeah, you guys know. You guys know. See, we, we do this all the time, and we want to act like we can't tell anybody, but the problem is other passages come in and change this. Genesis chapter 2, verse 24, it says, Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother, hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Matthew chapter 19, verse 5, says, Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 31, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Which talks about when, when someone gets married, they're, they're combined. This isn't about keeping a secret. See, when Jesus is talking about this is a secret, it's not what he was saying. And I believe there were people in this crowd right now saying, yes, Jesus, you go tell those people. I, you know who they were talking about. You know people knew who Jesus was talking about when he was talking about the hypocrites giving loudly in the synagogues. You know people were pointing and going, it's that guy, it's that guy. Ha, Jesus got him. You know why? Because they took Jesus' words and they took them out of context and they missed the bigger, port, bigger, bigger point. See, this passage wasn't necessarily about giving in secret. It was something way different. It was something way, way different. 
Jesus was quite clearly saying something here, and I believe a lot of people miss it, and I believe we miss it frequently. This isn't about keeping a secret about what your left hand is doing as your right hand is doing. It's not that. Jesus is quite clearly asking them and us, whose approval are you seeking? See, we couldn't function as a church. We can't function as a family if everything we did was a complete secret. What this was talking about was Jesus was asking them very clearly, who are you looking to impress? Whose approval are you looking for? Do you want their approval? Do you want them to say good job? Or do you want your Father in heaven to say good job? It's this idea of, of don't let your right hand know what your left hand is doing is not about keeping secrets. It's about don't look for praise from the right hand. I always get made fun of for my clothes. People always pick on me about my clothes. They, they tease me. Oh, Jerry, your, your suits are too flashy. <laughs> and I go... I only dress to impress one person. And that person dresses me, so I don't care. I don't wear what I wear to impress anybody else except for one person, and she's the one that bought the clothes. And I believe we have to ask ourselves the same question we give to the needy, who are we looking to impress? See, I think in this passage here, people are going, yeah, Jesus, you tell them. You got him good. That, that person was, was tithed into the church real loud. I don't think this is what Jesus was talking about at all. I think Jesus was quite clearly asking that group, whose approval are you looking for? And I believe, I'm going to get on my soapbox here, and I, I know people get mad at me. I believe this passage is harder now to live out now than it was 10 years ago, and I believe social media is the culprit because I believe all too often people want to help others and Jesus goes yes you helped them and then we post about it and say hey look what I done and Jesus says oh no you ruined it I believe that, that many aspects of our life we're being driven to be narcissistic where we're only concerned about someone hitting a like on our post seeing what we've done and approving it or giving us a pat on the back for all the good work that we did for someone and Jesus is asking them clearly it's not about keeping a secret it's about who are you looking to get your approval from he says are you wanting your praise from people are you wanting your praise from me and he's it's it's there right there in in clear today it says truly I say to you they have received their reward that's it. Jesus says, hey, they help the needy. They already got their reward. But when you help people in need and you, you don't make the, a big announcement about it, you don't, you don't say, hey, look what I've done. When you do that, God sees it. This isn't about much else besides where you're looking to gather your approval from. And it's no different than it is then as it is today. Maybe a little bit harder today, in fact, I think. It's easier to seek people's approval. We want people's approval. Especially when we, get, we see other people getting accolades and praise for all the work they do. It's easy to get jealous about that. Jesus says they've already received their reward. So if you want your reward, you do it in secret. Not about secret like, like what we want to twist this as, but as a secret we don't go around saying, hey, look at me, look at me. You know, we talk about wanting approval. 
we talk about this, you know, looking to, to do something for others, and we talk about helping the needy, and, and we talk about really, really taking care of someone that's got a need, I, I believe the best example is what was done on that cross. Jesus saw a need, said these are sinful people, I'm going to take the place in that cross for them, I'm going to die for them. He saw a need, he fulfilled a need, he came, came took care of it, that's what he is here for, and as our band comes up and leads us in a song or decision, um, that approval, that, that situation where you're looking for something, Jesus already answered that. He said, you're looking for something, I'm going to give it to you. It's, it's found in the cross. So if you've not been baptized, you want to get baptized, hey, come on down, we'll welcome you with open arms. Hey, if you're watching online, you want to get baptized, hey, get a hold of the church sometime this week. Uh, our schedules are flexible, we'll, we'll work something out, we'll get you, we'll get you dunked whenever you, whenever you want. Um, maybe you're having a rough week, you want some prayers, uh, come on down. If you're online and you want some prayers, on the back of that connection card, there's a place for your prayer requests. You can write them down. If it's confidential, please mark it. Otherwise, maybe you're a baptized believer. Uh, you like First Christian Church. You want to be part of our family. Hey, come on down. We'll welcome you with open arms as we uh, stand to sing. Worship we can. 
has been bugging me for so many years to get baptized and I figure I better do it now before she's too tall to get into baptistry <laughs> so what we, what we do is we follow the same words Simon Peter did and Jesus said who do you think I am and, and Simon said you're the son of the living God so if you believe that repeat after me I believe that Jesus is the son the son of the living God amen because of that we're going to baptize you come on Welcome you here, Lord Jesus. 
communion, um, keep going. There we go. During our time of communion, this is an opportunity that we have to acknowledge that what Elica just did actually means something. If it were just some symbolic thing that she was doing for some kind of a dead god or dead idol, it would just be, it would just be worthless. But Elica has given her life to Jesus. And she can do that because Jesus isn't lying in some tomb somewhere. Jesus isn't just some myth that people made up. Jesus is the Son of God. And he lived a perfect life. He died for our sins so that we don't have to carry that stain with us any longer. The world likes to label us and to tag us different things. But in God's eyes, you know what he sees? Perfection through Jesus Christ. And so this morning as we take our communion, the baptism has significance this morning because Jesus not only died on that cross, that cup that represents his blood that was shed for us, and that bread that represents his body that was take, took the punishment that we were supposed to have, those things are well and good, but the power came at the resurrection. And we're going to be talking about that in a couple weeks during Easter. So today when you take the cup and you, and you take the, the, the loaf of bread this morning, be thankful that Jesus did this for you. And this morning, just as a side note, if you're carrying guilt and shame from your life and you've been baptized into Christ, you need to let it go because Jesus wants to take it from you and you want to live that victorious life in him. Let's pray together. Father, we're so thankful that we have this time to remember the sacrifice you made. But Lord, that sacrifice would have meant nothing if you'd have just stayed in the tomb. And we're thankful that you rose on the third day and that you're seated at the right hand of the Father. Lord, this cup and this blood represents the punishment and the blood we should have shed and that we should have faced. But you sent your son to take our place. And through him we can have eternal life, never to die again. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.
on the inside of your bulletin, we have some announcements for this week. Uh, all of our youth activities are going to take place today. Roger will have his life group. Jules will have her LOL group meeting this week. On Wednesday, we do not have adult Bible study. We said this about probably 15 times the other night during Bible study. So if you show up, it's on you. But no adult Bible study this week. I'll be gone to Texas this week. Uh, we have our pancake breakfast, community pancake breakfast on Saturday. We hope that you can attend that. And also Al's group's meeting. Uh, we have our Easter breakfast. It'll take place on Easter Sunday between services. Um, if I get enough bribes from second service, I'll hold the first service in here a lot longer than I can. So that you guys, but anyway, um, we're going to do that in between services. There's a sign-up sheet in the foyer for that. Uh, Jerry spoke about using your talents. Well, we have an opportunity for you, and I'm really surprised he didn't say something about it, but we have our ministry team sign up, our ministry sign-up sheets, and you can find the different areas of the church that you'd like to serve, and, and we ask you to sign up, sign up. If you're currently doing something already, you don't have to sign up again unless you don't want to do it, because we're going to assume you're going to do it. Uh, Operation Christmas Child's looking for items. The Art of Marriage, we're doing sign-ups for that still, and there's information in your bulletin, and right now I'd like to show you a, a, a video clip from that. Maybe. Computer. Things up a bit, hey kids. <laughs> I expect a husband of mine to be more refined. The thrill is gone. I know the feeling. I was exhausted. This is marriage. There is no whining in marriage. <laughs> mm, doesn't it smell fantastic? Dave. I really have lost my feelings for you. We were in an argument, and I grabbed her as hard as I could, and I threw her down on the bed. During my depression, I just uh, did some things that really hurt Tony, hurt him real badly, and, and hurt our marriage. Where does marriage always go wrong? It's when I want the right to set the rules by which this relationship would work. You don't have issues. You are the issue, both of you. Our marriage is uh, the central glue as an institution that is holding civilization together. We are responsible then to turn and to forgive others, even when it's horrendous sin. I want to talk to you, but um, I feel a lot better if you put that knife down. You cannot have a successful marriage without the invasion of the supernatural. What the cross promises of marriage is fresh starts and new beginnings. I'd have felt lost, a lot worse of shooting those carrots with a gun than stabbing them with a knife. But anyway. Um, we're, we have the sign-ups for that. We have a, a kiosk set up in the foyer if you'd like to do that. You, you see a QR code you can scan in the bulletin. It's also on our website. Cost is $45. It includes all your materials. It includes lunch on Saturday and some a uh, little bit of 
I hate to call donuts breakfast because that's probably, anyway, we'll have something to eat in the, in the morning and some coffee. And once you do sign up, be aware it's non-refundable. We have to do that so that people don't sign up and then not show up. So at least you got some skin in the game. So we encourage you to sign up. I think we have 10 couples right now signed up for that. So we're hoping to see more. I believe that's all the announcements we have in the bulletin for this week. So at this time, I want you to just take note in the back of your bulletin. We have a lot of prayer concerns and prayer requests we want you to take note of. Uh, Boise was thankful for the support that we've been giving them. We want to be in prayer for Operation Christmas Child. That's the outreach we're focusing in on. TCMI is the mission we're focusing this month and the work that they're doing. Their ministry has been impacted by the war in Ukraine, and so churches like ours have stepped up to really help them in the financial area so that they can continue to do what they're called to do. We have a lot of people on our prayer list. We have troops who are deployed, shut-ins, and just keep them in your prayers. So at this time, we, let's all stand together. We'll have, I'll have a closing prayer, and our band will play us a song to lead us out. Lord, what a joy it is this morning to be together and a joy to see Elika give her life to you. And Father, we just look forward to see the great things you're going look forward to the great things you're going to do in her life. Lord, I pray that we leave encouraged this morning and that we leave committed to follow you even closer. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.